remember the most terrifying night of your life. Ah! Well, steady your nerves. Ah! You're white as a sheet. And prepare yourself for a shock. Because if you were scared before... It's not really over it. Imagine how scared you'll be now. Welcome to Fright Night. You can say that again, partner. Yes, Fright Night, Part 2. It's happening again. Such a thing simply couldn't happen twice, Charlie. Can I have a bite? It is happening again. Here come the vampires. Got off the slab at the morgue just to be here tonight. And there goes the neighborhood. I can hardly go breaking into my neighbor's apartments, accusing them of being vampires. That hurts. They'll stop at nothing to get what they came for. I'd kill for a cup of coffee. Enjoy a delicious evening of thrills and chills. Come join in the devilish doings of Fright Night Part 2 as Roddy McDowell returns to do the job he does best. I kill vampires. Fright Night Part 2. You scream your head off. Hello and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing and it's the it's February, i.e. the love month. I'm doing Love Sucks, aka Vampire Movies. I'm looking at Vamp, the auto-known 80s Grace Jones vehicle, Fright Night and Fright Night Remake and today's movie, The Hard to Find, on actual copy that is, of Fright Night 2 from 1988. Yes, I know there's a Fright Night 2 from 2013, but I'm not covering that, so piss right off. That thing is a piece of absolute garbage. And this is my podcast, not yours. <laughs> oh god, that's terrible. Anyway, back to this movie. Um, That was derailed by the murder of New Century Vista Pictures head Jose Mendendez. At hands off his sons, I believe. But this is a true crime podcast. There's dozens around there, so sniff one out and see if they cover this one. Mm. Uh, this is a movie review podcast. Uh, after the success of part one, uh, it was a no-brainer that this was going to be made. It was given a huge budget for the time of $20 million, but it was slashed down to $7.5 million uh, due to the murder, and its wide release was shrank from allegedly over 2,000 screenings to a mere 148. So this thing only pulled in $3 million and was quietly shot out on home video. It has only had one, I believe, DVD um, release and one Blu-ray release, both of which sell for high prices. Also, the Blu-ray is only bloody American only. Why can't we get rid of this bloody region fucking stuff? I mean, have region free stuff for Crenolid. It's 20 fucking 19. Crenolid. Anyway, so now you know the backstory, let's just sink our teeth into this sucker and find out if this is more than just a rinse and repeat movie. Starring William Ragsdale, Rowdy McDowell, Tracy Lint, Julie Carmen, John Kreis, Brian Thompson and Russell Clark. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. The plot, the now traumatised Charlie Brewster, is deep in therapy after events of Fright Night 1. Several years later, and with a boatload of help, Charlie is now in college, where one night, much like in the original, and I think I'm going to be seeing this quite a lot in this one, he sees his suspicious neighbours moving into Peter Vincent's homing, homing, 
housing complex. But thinking of it, that night he's visited by a female vampire who turns him slowly. Seems she's the sister of Jerry Dandridge. Hmm. Now Charlie must get help once again from Peter Vincent before he turns fully also to take on a misfit bunch of vampires. Can he do it before his life really starts to suck? So the movie opens up on a quick catch-up of the events of Fright Night 1. Then we see Charlie Brewster, once again played by William Ragsdale, and Therapy as his doctor, Dr. Harrison, played by Ernie Sabell, a voice of the Pumbaa in the Lion King movies, tries to tell Charlie Jerry wasn't a vampire but a serial killer, stalker, cult leader, and the whole vampire thing was all in Charlie's head. Uh, then how do you explain Amy or Evil Ed, speaking of which, neither in this movie, as Amanda Burrs was busy doing Mother of Children and Stephen Jeffries rejected this movie for 976 Evil, and my god that movie's just as bad as this one, if not worse. After three years of therapy, is that it? I mean, surely this quack would have milked Chava out every penny he has going. And going as far as to write a bloody book about him for fuck's sake. I mean, three years of therapy and that's it. Charlie is set free by his doctor with the mass hypnosis and a defence mechanism as an excuse for Jerry the Vampire. And how the hell can you trust a doctor who has a train set in his office? He plays with the train set more than he actually listens to you. Really, Charlie, get a new therapist. With that, Charlie sprints to his dorm room where he throws out all his vampire killing stuff. Then all but slices through his juggler. And that's where he gets on using bloody the cheap disposable bit razors. Task, task. Does Charlie go on with his life? Then we see Peter Vincent once again played by Rowdy McDowell hosting Fright Night on TV. Going on and on and on about the evil, the real evils of the world. And going completely off script, pissing off the producers. Uh, much, and I do mean I saying much to the annoyance of the studio head and director who just throws his hands up saying he will not stick to the script and this bloody director, producer guy, the producer guy, or the studio head guy looks like a bloody pimp from his 70s, he's got the large collar shirt on and a gold medallion and a huge sunglasses and slicked back hair and the, the um, drain pipe suit, what the fuck was that thing in the 80s? Moving on! We then meet Alex, played by Tracy Lint, of famed TV show, class of 1999 even, and My Boyfriend's Back. She's Charlie's new girlfriend. Hmm, she basically upgraded then. Charlie takes her to meet Peter Vincent and cut to a painting, and I kid you not, it looks like an actual fucking painting of Peter's housing complex. What the fuck? I mean, I know you're cheap, but can you look at some exterior shots of this bloody house? As Peter is hosting a dinner party. Here, Charlie says sorry to Peter for ignoring him for over three years. Peter asks, does Alex know about the vampires? With her saying, yes, she does. And it goes on and on as Peter bores the two lovebirds with more of his many, many boring movie stories. As Charlie is so bored, he looks at the window to see removal men carrying what looks like four coffins to the basement of the building. Charlie then sees a limo pull up, but just closes the curtains and just walks off saying, nope. With that, he takes Alex out of the party and in the elevator to discuss whether or not Charlie should have put Peter straight about the vampires. Waiting in the lobby, as Alex goes to, goes to pee, does Charlie see the four new arrivals, two vampires, a werewolf and another ghoul, think Renfield. These are Regine, played by Joey Carmen, Louis, played by John Kreis of Real Genius, Monster Squad, Get Shorty, MIB, 
Lost and Taken 2. Bosworth, played by Brian Thompson of Dragonheart, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Check my archives. The X-Files and a boatload of Star Trek stuff. And finally, The Mute Bell, played by Russell Clark. These all walk past Charlie, then pile into the elevator, so no, nothing weird here. Just a supermodel, a transgender, an average Joe, and a six feet four brute, all heading to the penthouse. Nothing suspicious at all. All at midnight, by the by. Mmm. Charlie then drives Alex home. And hello, drink driving. Also, she lives out by the woods. What the fuck is the thing set? Here, he tries it on, but she's having none of it, saying... She has a 7am class, Psych 101. Handy that, she's a psych major. Ooh. I guess that's why she's attracted to Charlie. <laughs> Rajin swoops down in bat form and just lays on the roof of the car, listening to Charlie fooling around. She then uses her vampire magic to fool Charlie into thinking he's fallen with her. Uh, when did she glamour him? How can she control him when she didn't even clap eyes on him? She just... Sunset passed or shunted past. Charlie is sitting on a couch in the lobby. She didn't even look at him, so how the hell is he glamoured? Charlie pushes Alex away. So she storms off to walk down a dark, lonely road all by her lonesome. And Charlie just drives off. He just lets her walk away herself, knowing there's fucking vampires out there. What the fuck, Charlie? Drop the ball much? Jesus, jinkies. As Charlie is stalked, by the evil dead cam, but nope, it's just Regine in bat form, splatting on the glass door of the dorm room as Alex shuts it on her face. Okay then. So we're in this type of movie then. And also, isn't this a public place? Uh, therefore, uh, Regine can enter, but not into the individual dorm rooms, and individual dorm rooms are, well, owned by the person, well not actually owned by the person said it, but, but you know I mean, I mean it's a public place, I mean it's only the owner can stop vampires from getting in and I'm guessing Alex isn't the owner of the actual whole complex, so hmm, the rules in this movie are fucked up, so hmm. Moving on, it's the mute roller skate wearing cross-dressing vampire Bill's turn to get a kill, taking out some poor art student, just minding her own business, tying her laces and wait, what? A, it must be 12.31am, who the fuck has classes that late? And B, Bell kills on rollerscapes, how very camp 80s. And C, this student just sits there as this weird yellow-eyed person rolls slowly towards you, wouldn't you, oh I don't know, RUN! Oi. Up next is the werewolf vampire Louie? Is he a werewolf, is he a vampire, is he a werepire? Meh. Or lycanpire as they call him. Uh, Louie is to perv on co-ed girls getting ready for bed as he scales the wall to Alex's room. But too bad she shuts the window on him cutting off his nails as he falls in human form down to the ground. And note, that was supposed to be Evil Ed, but Stephen Jeffries turned down this role for 1976 Evil, as I said earlier. Bosworth then mocks the werevamp as Regine pays Charlie a late visit, biting his shaving cut, dragging her fangs over it, tearing into the flesh. How Charlie doesn't feel this one is beyond me. Charlie then wakes up screaming from a nightmare, with Alex knocking at the door. And shouldn't she be sleeping? It must be, what, about three in the morning? No matter she's fucking failing school. Jesus. Back in the limo, Belle is feeding on the female art student as Regine is reading Dracula. As outside, Bodworth fixes uh, the headlights of the limo while eating a moth. 
and note it was Brian Thompson's idea for him to use the Latin names of all the insects he eats. In Charlie's dorm room, Alex snuggles into a naked Charlie in bed and talk about mixed signals, love. One minute it's like, oh no, get away from me, I've got a class to do. Next minute you're snuggling into your naked wannabe boyfriend's body. Okay then. The next morning, Charlie wakes up to find a note from Alex telling him to get his cut checked as he, she fears it may be infected. Also, Sheila likes him and for him not to get a D. Now, at least something's got a D in this one. Uh, the sun starts to bother Charlie, so what does he do? Why run to his shrink, who gives him a handful of drugs, telling him it's all in his head. You just gotta love America. Just throw drugs at a problem, that'll fix it. Yeah, America. He then tells Charlie to go bowling. What in the actual fuck? Ah, uh, dear God. And cut to Alex meeting Charlie in the campus bowling alley because you know every campus has its own bowling alley uh, where he's wearing sunglasses indoors okay calm down Kyan West Alex pulls out tickets for a symphony that night at local concert hall uh, later that night do we meet the new evil Ed Richie played by Merritt Buttrick of Star Trek 2 and 3 fame he played Kirk's son note he was diagnosed with AIDS shortly before filming and openly told everyone he had AIDS so, extra care was taken when biting him with the fake fangs, and sadly, he died a following year, aged only 29. Cut to Charlie, finding out it's 7.45pm, so rushes around, stating he has been asleep for over 6 hours. Okay then. Richard then asks for a loan of a tie, which sets off Charlie, because Charlie's a dick apparently, and gives him this cheap, hideous looking woolen tie. What's it, 80s and woolen ties? Instead of the nice silk one. Get in. Anyway, at the concert hall, Alex is waiting, but uh, Charlie drives past Regine, who is in broad daylight, by the by. And okay, it was overcast and she was under an umbrella, but still, it's fucking broad daylight. And she's a fuck. Oh, like I said, the rules are fast and loose in this bloody movie. Yet they also have weird rules. I mean, uh, Regine has picked up Richie. So Charlie falls. Her standing up, Alex. Still in her mind, Louis is on hand to pick her up because he's apparently hot for her and he's a fucking perv. I mean, meanwhile, Charlie has followed Regime to a spooky ass looking house where from outside, Charlie watches her turn him right there in a bloody window with the curtains wide open. Subtle. I guess it must run in the bloody Dandridge family then. And what I don't get is if Regine wants revenge on Charlie for killing her brother, Jerry, several years earlier. And by the way, great name for a fucking vampire there, Jerry, who's supposed to be over a thousand years old, because a lot of people are called Jerry a thousand years ago. If Charlie's doctor was in it all along too, then why let Charlie see you turning his best friend? Oh, that's right, it happened in the first movie. Silly me. Seeing this, Charlie runs to Peter for help, but surprise, surprise, he doesn't believe him. Just like in the first one. Wait a minute here, Peter is the one true believer here, so that makes no fucking sense. The Doctor has fucked up with Charlie's mind, yes, and Alex humours him, but Charlie, but Charlie, but Peter was the true believer. So why doesn't he suddenly not believe Charlie when he says his neighbour's a vampire? You know something? Fuck this cheap rinse and repeat movie, this is bloody awful. Charlie has to talk Peter into helping him again, so up they go to the penthouse. Wait. This is, isn't the same building from earlier. This is a completely different building. So how the fuck is she the neighbour of Peter in the fucking penthouse? 
This makes no sense because it wasn't Peter in the penthouse original or whatever. Who cares? This movie is long enough and I'm losing fucking patience here. A Charlie and Peter enter the penthouse with Peter in his full vampire hunter outfit because of course he is. Here we found out Regine is holding a party and she's a performance artist pretending to be a vampire. Okay then. This puts Peter at ease until he notices people are getting fed on. Also, Regine has no reflection and she seduces Charlie on a dance floor much like Jed does to Amy. Seeing this, does the cowardly horror host flee again? And by the way, can this room be any more coked out late 80s? The plain white stripped bare interior, the chessboard floor, and the awful electric music with the fog machines pelting out fake smoke. I mean, how 80s is that? Charlie checks Richie's neck, finding no bite marks. That's because she bit him lower down and on the wrist. Well, belted anyway. And Charlie just walks out. Uh, the sixth song, as I called it, plays and Regine dances with Charlie, throwing away his rosary beads. Wait, how could she touch these aren't these holy icons? You know, fuck this movie and it's bullshit rules, fuck it. First, sunlight, now this. What in the actual fuck is going on with this bloody well movie? After hypnotising the idiot Charlie, just Regine signed pictures for fans? Wait, what? So people, how can... He's a, she's a vampire, how can she be in photographs and... Oh my god, and why the hell is there mirrors in this fucking apartment? There's like six or seven mirrors in this apartment. What the fuck? Also, it wasn't Chow already and her thrall, wasn't she already glamorising him? Why the fuck she hypnotise him yet again? Oh my god, this movie. I suppose the one cool thing is when he does hit... Well, he isn't uh, her thrall... She pulls the rosary beads and swings it towards him and it goes through her face and touches him in the face and goes through her face uh, and then just throws it against the mirror and smashes the mirror. Get in. Charlie then runs off to get Alex, leaving Peter with all the vampires. As I said, he freaks the fuck out and runs, only for Regine to chase after him, telling him who she is. At cross point, I cannot, uh, Peter pulls at this hideous old cross and holds it at cross point. She then turns into a bat and flies off. And here we find out Regine is Jerry's older sister. Even though she doesn't look anything bloody like him. Hiding in his room until dawn, does Peter hide cupboardly? Meanwhile, Charlie is to wait for the concert showing up, but is turned away at the door by security, because of course there's security at a fucking concert hall. Uh, Louis walks Alex home and backs Barks back at a dog in full werewolf form. Wait, what? They can transform it full now. Back with Charlie, he's questioning his sanity. As that night, he's visited by Regine in mist form. Ah, she takes another bite. So that's two bites. He's now a full vampire. Well, actually, he hasn't fed yet, so... Hmm. Peter calls Charlie uh, from his alcove of crosses and garlic. But there is no answer, so he cries himself to sleep. As next morning, Charlie gives Alex roses and says sorry. Just as he was about to tell her he loves her, does she say nope? Ah, swing and a miss there, Charlie, swing and a miss. And it seems these two have been dating for well over two years and she's been keeping him at bay sexually, much like his original girlfriend. Charlie's a type then, kinky bastard. That afternoon, uh, Peter rushes to the studio only to find out he's been fired. Even worse, he's replaced by Regine. 
back with Charlie, who is still trying to get into Alex's pants. Oh, sorry, good books. As he tells her what happened last that later that no, so last night in the movie. Thingy. Anyway, and why he stood her up. Charlie gets so pissed at her for telling for her telling him he loves low-grade melodrama, i.e. vampires. So he rants and rants and rants to her about real vampires and to read Dracula and then she storms off only to him to come back crawling seconds later begging for a date she's having none of it saying she really needs to study he continues begging saying he'll bring the date to her grow some fucking balls man take the fucking hit she's not interested in you you twat she'll watch you because you're a fucked up specimen you moron Peter ran up to Charlie telling him Regina's a vampire and the dance thing is just an act Kidding. Charlie calmly tells Peter such a thing as vampires fruitcake. So he runs off to pack and run for his pitiful little life. Charlie, now all alone, feels hungry and creepily stares at girls' necks. Heading into the cafe to eat some pizza that has garlic and a whole bulb of garlic. This makes him violently sick and runs off. Wait, what the fuck? Who the hell puts a whole bulb of garlic on one slice of pizza? Didn't want to fucking make him sick. Make me sick at all, actually. On TV, Charlie hears about the finding of the dead female artist's body, Otto Richie's dead body. Running to Peter's, Charlie finds it empty, so he leaves a note and runs. But not before following Bosworth down into the basement, but it's a trap! Regine is waiting for him in her coffin. Kieran back with Alex, who is now studying in a library. She's looking up Dracula as Charlie tries to stake Regine but fails because she hypnotises him yet again and gets him to walk into traffic. Alex then speed reads Dracula. Charlie who's not been sent outside walks into traffic because as I said she hypnotised him yet again but that's not hypnotist work you can't tell somebody to kill themselves that's not how that works it's a bit inside the body that stops you from killing yourself uh, and the car misses anyway so he's now snapped back into reality. As the sun sets, does Louis try to pick up Alex? She says no, but he says he'll be back at nine before coffee. Hmm, let's have a check. I mean, everybody wants into her pants. Charlie then shows up, just as Bosworth uh, even drags Louis away, saying they have to go bowling. I guess that's one way to lose your blue balls. I mean, was this movie sponsored by bowling? That's now two bowling scenes. Anyway... Uh, Louis, Bell, and Bosworth all go bowling with the bowling staff's heads, as in the midnight hour plays, because of course it does. This goes on for a full fucking five minutes. I mean, what the fuck, movie? Meanwhile, Charlie is winning and dining Alex. However, he puts on a mini TV to see Peter Vincent trying to stake Regine on live TV. He's carted away, and she dances weirdly on TV, and what the actual fuck? Oh, by the way, this actress didn't want to take this role because she thought Regine was too much like Elvira, and refused to take it until it was rewritten. But she's dressed like Elvira in this fucking thing, with the long flowing outfits, and the smoke, and the, and the hair, I mean, what the fuck, love? Done with bowling, does Louis go back to pick up Alex, and here, he turns into a werewolf because Alex says no to him. Alex then uses the roses to keep Louis at bay, uh, tossing him down his neck. Oh, dice through actually. This causes him to breathe fire and dive out a window. Wait, what? Since when does... Oh, moving on. And also, just because she rejects you, you turn into a werewolf and try to eat her. What a prick. 
And apparently this whole library fight scene was supposed to be more, much more elaborate, but the budget was sliced, therefore they could only topple over two or three book stacks. Anyway, back with Peter, who's now in jail. But he's carted off to the lonely bin because he keeps on saying Regina's a vampire and for him to kill her because he's a vampire killer. As Charlie is bailed by Regine. Wait, did I miss something? Why is Charlie in jail? Wait, I have to rewind this back. I actually rewind this thing back twice to watch this thing, but nope. He's in jail for reasons. I mean, what the fuck movie? Is there a bit missing here? Because the police just show up and arrest Charlie and Alex at the library for no fucking reason. Dr. Harrison bails out Alex because of course he does. And here he takes her to the Lone Boon bin even via the railroad tracks and it's here he finally shows fangs attacking her but she stakes him with a railroad sleeper what the f but it's not all the way through so he kills himself wait what also i love he's killed near railway tracks since he's a fucking train enthusiast Alex takes the doctor's ID and gets peter out of the mental institute with relative ease because of course she can she's supposed to be what 20 years old chokes about fucking 29 with you but she's supposed to be 20 and she gets this guy out no fucking problem meanwhile regine has bitten charlie again and is whining and dying him why is she whining and dying peter borrows him uh, borrows religious stuff from a church including a bishop robes and holy water and uh, whole communion wafers for some reason charlie is then bathed by regine and Belle. Okay then, moving on. Peter and Alex break into Peter's flat and arm themselves up, then walk around the outside ledge into the penthouse. Okay then. So dressed as a wannabe ghostbuster, does Peter and Alex sneak into the room Charlie is held in? Oh, for Richie to interrupt. Fuck you, Ben. The Ben men even, no Ben. Uh, only for Charlie to interrupt. No matter, he's quickly taken out by some whole water down the throat and face, which melts his face off and melts his neck and explodes it. What the fuck movie? Chawa then tries to bite Peter, so Alex wraps him in the bishop robes. While trying to escape, Louis swipes at Peter, knocking him off the ledge. Hang on for dear life is Peter, who is saved by Charlie, who stakes Louis, falling into the fountain below in naked human form and just dies because apparently it's metal stakes and kill vampires now. After forcing Charlie on his knees to kill Alex, does the power of love give him strength to use a bell to kill Bosworth using their vampire claws to slice open his stomach, dying in pain as everything Bosworth had eaten pours out of his stomach. Next to be killed is a gender-bending bell, who, still on roller skates, is wrapped up in the bishop robes, which melts them into a pool of goo and disgustingness. What is it, 80s movies and things melting? Anyway, fuck this movie, we're into the final 20 minutes, because of course it's a 20 minute fucking ending, you... Finally, it's Peter, Alice and Charlie versus Regine, who is screeching at the top of her lungs. Her team has been taken out as the sun is rising. So Peter pulls open the curtains and the pours the rays out onto Regine, who is screaming. She turns into the huge bat form, much like Jerry does. And by the way, why doesn't she have any clocks in her apartment? Down the left shaft, she goes to the basement with Alex and Charlie taking the stairs. Does Peter take the lift shaft? Wait, why isn't Alex and Peter going down the stairs while Charlie takes the lift shaft? No, I suppose she, she, he's under her throat or whatever. 
Charlie and Alex put Hawkmini wafers in Regine's coffin as Peter reaches the stuck lift stuck in the shaft that is does he find a now fully vamped out Regine who is now fully pissed off at this vampire hunter as she rips open the lift roof does Peter hold her at bay with a cross this causes her to fall straight through the floor down into the basement in full huge bat form going to her coffin finding the wafers in it with nowhere to hide she knocks out Charlie sorry Alex with one Backslap turns human and tries to seduce Charlie yet again. So Peter uses a mirror shard to shine a beam of sunlight down. Charlie grabs Regine, holding her in the sun as she bursts into flame. Running back to her coffin does explode seconds later as her skeleton gives him the finger. Somebody watched Vamp took notes. Now, free. Charlie kisses Alex. The next day, Charlie tells Alex, Oh, Asherick's all down. Alex asks what's next, so Charlie spews out the marriage, kids, the farm, white picket fence, the whole nine yards. Alex picks a rose and covers them up with a blanket as they have sex in the college rose garden, as you do, as credits roll. So that was Fright Night 2, the same as the first, but with the roles reversed. Nothing is new nor fresh in this bloody movie. What is it with these 80s movies and reversing the roles, much like they did in this and did in... Nightmare on Street Part 2. The effects in this are beyond cheap. The acting is awful, the script is utter garbage. Plus, the plot holes are so big you can drive a London bus through them. This is half the movie of the first one, so I'm going to give this exactly half the score. A 4 out of 10. I suppose Bosworth is the only thing worth watching this movie for. Still so come back next week for the remake, see if it can make it any better. Mm, I doubt it, actually. <clears throat> March is Beam of March Madness, including Evil Dead 3, The Stuff, Bud the Chud, and more. April is Aliens, May is Star Wars Prequels, and June is Batman. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pond, where you can vote on what films I'll cover. You can also email me, Here's Johnny's Reviews, at gmail.com. So, don't forget to check out my other horror podcasts of Omen, Cycle, House, Hellraiser. Resident Evil, and many, many more. Also, my solo podcast of Dracula, Blades, Elvira, The Thing, and many, many more. Uh, bye, and remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to.